You cannot prevent these kind of people through hashtags or through social media. William Tecumseh Sherman said that war is hell. You cannot refine it. And he's right about that. It's nasty, brutal, ugly business. And the sooner it's over, the better things go. But as Russian forces retreat from the uh, region of Kiev, which in itself is kind of a remarkable statement, frankly, there have been uh, photos and reports of uh, major atrocities against the civilian population. And for reasons that I want to examine, that makes things much, much worse. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. This is your Right Angle on uh, on atrocities uncovered as the Russians retreat uh, in Ukraine. Um, now, obviously, the Russian uh, RT, uh, Russian television says, well, there are Ukrainians committed atrocities in, in, um, in Donbass, and that may or may not be true. But as we were discussing on our backstage show, uh, the, the pretty much the definition of an atrocity is, is, is an act against an unarmed civilian. And in order to have unarmed civilians, you got to be the people being invaded, right? You don't send unarmed, unarmed civilians in with the invasion force. So that's generally where the atrocities are going to lie. Uh, Scott, um, let's start with you. We were talking on the backstage show and, and I said something to the effect of, look, People are killed in, in war. Civilians are killed in war. They're, maybe they're gunned down in the crossfire or, or maybe a bomb hits a building that it shouldn't have hit or whatever. And dead is dead. But there's something different when you see somebody lying there with their hands tied behind their back and they've been shot in the back of the head. There's something, there's something morally worse than war. Do you think? Yeah. Um, and, and, with the proviso that all, you know, anytime somebody has to take up arms against somebody else, this is, it's a horrible, horrible situation and sometimes has to be done for all the right reasons. Uh, you know, you're kind of doing all the wrong things for all the right reasons. Um, you know, it's, it's an awful situation. And so to engage in some sort of ranking system of moral relativism is always a fraught enterprise because, you know, you don't want to give the impression that, uh, just because I'm on this side of the case, I think that these these acts are worse than others. But these are kind of universally bad acts. Uh, people understand that in war, you've got one side shooting another, shooting at another side, the other side returning fire, and both sides uh, for centuries have tried to observe uh, a sense of civility where they are not going to unnecessarily trouble civilians. They're not going to try to uh, create waves of refugees if they can avoid it. They're not going to try to shoot at columns of refugees that are fleeing. They're not going to shoot at maternity hospitals. They're not going to bind a hospital people. ship. They're, yes, they're not going to bind people's hands and feet and then shoot them in the head. Um, and yet we're starting to see these reports. Um, now, obviously, we're early in the process here. We're seeing kind of the first take of history and um, what uh, Zelensky, uh, President Vol uh, Volodymyr Zelensky is calling for is a Nuremberg type trial. So he's not saying, let's make a flash judgment and, and evaluate it that way. He's saying, let's go through a legal process to determine if these war crimes have been committed. Here's the evidence that we've seen from satellite photos, from images on the ground, uh, from reports that we're hearing from various regions. And so he's handling this uh, as diplomatically as he possibly could, considering the outrage if these 
pictures that we're seeing turn out to be, in fact, what they appear to be portraying. And it's hard hard to imagine that they wouldn't be. I think people naturally recoil. It's one thing to be shot in battle when you've got a rifle in your hand. It's another thing to be That's shot it. in the back of the head when your you know, hands are zip tied behind your back. And, um, and, and this will harm the Russian case more than anything. And I'm hoping it will also reduce the number of uh, people who are online excusing away Vladimir Putin's behavior as if he were some sort of a moral, virtuous actor in this cause and and we're being uh, you know unjustly maligned by those people who think that Ukraine has a right to defend itself. Um, Zelensky made a, a bold and I thought uh, – on point and powerful speech to the UN Security Council, where he basically said, look, if you're a UN Security Council, why do you exist? If it is not for a moment such as this, what the heck are you even doing there? And then at the end, he said, look, you've got two options, kick Russia off the Security Council or dissolve the Security Council. Because, and I'm, I'm, I'm restating this in my own words, because if you don't do one of those two things, this is worse than a joke. This itself is a crime. I, I believe that about the United Nations ever since the, the, the Cold War started to heat up. You know, when you give, um, when you give uh, Cuba the human rights uh, uh, chairmanship for, you know, a year or whatever, you know, yeah. we thought the United Nations would raise all these countries up to the level of civilized countries. And all it really did was bring the civilized countries down to the level of places like Cuba and so on. Uh, Steve, um, you uh, you went to military school when you were younger, and I'm going to assume from that that you wore a uniform while you were there. Yes. yes? In fact, uh, so, one of the mottos of the school was look like a soldier, act like a gentleman. Okay. So the reason that soldiers wear uniforms is to protect civilians. That's the reason that soldiers wear uniforms. And the idea that a soldier would take off his uniform, blend into the crowd of civilians, and then... Uh, open fire from that position would get that person shot as a spy, rightfully so, because he's breaking the rules that Western, especially Western civilization, but really all civilizations, that these are the warriors and these are the non-combatants. And therefore, you leave these people alone. That's why you have to wear a uniform, because you are basically saying to the enemy, I'm somebody who you can shoot at because I can shoot back. So when you see these kind of uh, actions against civilians, you find these pits full of bodies, the mayor of, of one of these cities, you find all, you know, all of these people buried there. It is a, it, the, the contradiction for me is, is uh, here's what I'm trying to get to, Steve. It's a very real thing to say that people who are killed by bombs or, or gunfire, civilians are killed in war, and that's horrible. But there's something about this kind of thing that crosses the line, and I suspect it comes down to intent you yeah. can you can i don't think i don't think anybody bombs a hospital on purpose now maybe that's naive of me but as a general rule as a general rule these are weapons that were either missed their target or the target was misidentified right so so it comes down to it comes down to intent for me when you've got people who 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 are are unarmed and this applies to soldiers who've surrendered as well by the way when 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 yeah. somebody has basically been marked as a non-combatant, and then that person is tortured, executed, buried alive, mutilated, whatever the case may be. This takes war from something horrible into something abysmal. 
Yeah. Um, you know, up and up until these revelations, I've been following this uh, this Ukraine war uh, in, in more of an intellectual fashion. It was exciting at the beginning watching Zelensky rally his country by saying, you know, I, I don't need uh, uh, transport. I need ammunition back in the early uh I think 48 hours or 72 hours of the war is he really he rallied his entire country and they've stayed rallied. It's uh, it's really been remarkable. Um, but before I go any further, let me just uh, stake out my position here one more time. I don't think Ukraine is a strategic interest to the United States. I don't think we should send one soldier, airman, marine, anybody over there to to fight a war that that isn't ours. I think that sanctioning the Russian civilian economy has been a mistake that's going to come back to uh, to bite us on the rear end. And I think that Biden calling for uh, regime change in Russia, even though he backtracked on it, was also a huge mistake. You don't nuke the uh, the other guy's golden bridge to retreat across, as, uh, as Biden has done and, and keeps doing. Um, that said, there's there's really something horrible going on here that has uh, stopped this whole intellectual process. My fascination for the uh, the conceptual, operational, yeah. logistical yeah. failures, especially yeah. in the assault on Kiev, on Kiev. Excuse me. Um, but now my response is just uh, it's heartbreaking. It's it's very emotional. Uh, you know the the whole point of the Nuremberg trials was not to prevent war from happening in Europe again, ever again. These were these were serious people who had just won a, the Second World War in half a century. They, they knew that World War III was a real possibility. They weren't kidding themselves. Uh, but the point of Nuremberg was to prevent these kind of mass atrocities from happening in a European war again. The point of the Geneva Conventions from earlier in the century was to prevent the kind of abuse that we've seen uh, uh, committed against some of these Russian soldiers who have been captured. Um, and it's it's heartbreaking to to see this happen again. That said, um, I really wasn't surprised Monday evening when I started seeing these reports because on Monday morning, I had read a column by uh, David Goldman, also known as Spengler. He writes for PJ Media, where I work. He writes for uh, for Asia Times, uh, arguing that Putin may be on Plan B on what to do with Ukraine. Plan A, which was to subdue the country mostly politically by seizing the capital, obviously failed in the opening four or five days of the war. Plan B is, uh, Goldman argues, a replay of what Richelieu did to Germany. Uh, I should say the German states during the 30 years war, which was to keep the fight going long enough to basically depopulate uh, mm. France's rivals. And in fact, over the 30 years war, about 30% of the population of the, the German states died, mostly through starvation. Um, and it may now be, as Goldman argues, that Putin's Plan B gambit is to simply shell Ukraine until the place is unlivable and certainly pre-industrial. Um, and when you've got that kind of a terror campaign in mind, well, atrocities like we've started seeing don't really come as a surprise. They're heartbreaking, but maybe not a surprise. There are two, two main points I get left with when I see these images. Uh, one of them deals with the nature of soldiers in combat in general. Some of the things that they go through are unique to them from the culture perspective, and some of these things are universal. Almost always, these kind of things are the result of, of an army with extraordinarily low morale. 
this this is the kind of things you do when you're when you're bitter, angry, and beaten, and and you know it, and you don't like it. This is this is just a revenge kick in the shins, and and a, and a brutal one. That kind of dynamic, I think, goes on in any army, in any war, in any conflict. That that kind of thing. And if you're an occupier, you are being shot at from civilian buildings. And if you go into that building where somebody shot at you, you're probably not too picky about people you're killing or whether the ones that shot at you or just the ones that live in the building. And so all of this stuff is is to some degree universal. But there's something bigger here and more important. And that is the culture of the of the army reflects the culture that sent the army. And I think I can probably put this as simply as this. During Vietnam, there was an event called the My Lai Massacre where Lieutenant William Calley and a bunch of army soldiers gunned down a, a bunch of unarmed Vietnamese civilians. So can this happen to America? Yes. Can Americans get stressed to the point where they commit these kind of atrocities? Yes. Can, 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 can war do this to any army? Yes. But, but for the Nazis and the Soviets, for that matter, gunning down civilians wasn't an aberration. It was policy. It was what they were sent there to do. When you look at the situation in Milai, you found a guy who was who was tried for his crimes, punished for his crimes. I don't think harshly enough, but nevertheless, the culture that sent him did not approve of this action. It was it was repulsive to the people that sent that army there, and it was a disgrace to everybody in the uniform. When you look at what the SS did, or what the or, or what the Wehrmacht did when they went into Poland and into Russia, they'd be they they get medals for this kind of thing. And this is essentially, I, I just didn't think it was possible for Putin or Russia to look worse than they did, but they do. And, and to say that this has got nothing to do with the culture that sent them is, is just simply wrong. Um, my wife spent virtually all of her life in Russia, and she told me stories from the beginning about kind, talented, artistic peaceful boys who get conscripted into the army. They do their year or two. And when they come out, they are broken, mean-spirited, violent alcoholics because of the brutality of the Russian training system. You cannot treat your own soldiers with that degree of brutality and then expect them to treat civilians with decency or respect. That is a function of how that culture is built. And, and it didn't I'd like to say it didn't surprise me. It did surprise me. It was it, it was shocking to me, and I think shocking to the whole world. When World War II ended, we were told never again. Well, this brings me to my second point. Statements like never again are meaningless. Resolutions passed by the UN are meaningless. And most especially in this day of virtue signaling, putting a Ukrainian flag on your Facebook thing or, or, or starting a hashtag about Putin must leave Ukraine is meaningless, pointless and stupid. And that's why I'm opposed to these things. This kind of thing is only prevented one way, and that is prevented by making such actions cost more than they gain. It's that simple. When you're dealing with this kind of a situation, this kind of aggression, this kind of a country, this kind of a president, the only thing that will ever stop people like this from taking what they want is to make it clear to them that it was going to cost them more than they would gain through the transaction. And while we didn't start this war, the United States of America and its leadership failed in that position and failed miserably. We are the only 
force on the planet that could have made it crystal clear to Vladimir Putin that, that this was not going, that this game was not going to be worth the candle. And we didn't. So there we are. Will this change the way people think about things? I hope so. I hope it changes the way Europe thinks about uh, spending on defense. It seems to be the case. I hope it makes people realize that hashtags don't prevent wars, no matter what they may think they do or no matter what they want them to do. You cannot prevent these kind of people through hashtags or through social media. They have to be prevented by the by the appearance and the reality of strength and force that will deter them from committing these kind of crimes. And I don't like that being true, but it is. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next time right here on Red Angle.